plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to our informational playground. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We're brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity, and we are coming to you live. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and we are on the Voice America Empowerment Channel where we strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. Well, today, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Love Day. I hope that Cupid has landed in your heart and your doorstep, whether that be a Cupid of a a human friend or an animal friend, whatever it is that brings you joy. Let's hope that you are in having a really great time and passing on the love. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. There are several events that are coming up for the spring. Please visit bethestarur.org and check them out. And if you'd like to sponsor anything, we are always open to having new people come on board, bethestarur.org. And this is from Emmanuel Kant. We can judge the heart of a man by his treatment of animals. Well, you may wonder why I'm giving a quote about animals on Love Day, on Valentine's Day. And that is because coming up in our second segment, my big daddy, I call him Papa, the man that has been a mentor to me without him even ever knowing how much he's meant to me. Dr. Bernie Siegel will be with us, and he is going to be chatting about one of his books that is really very, very special. That is all about animals. The book is uh, called Love, Animals, and Miracles, Inspiring True Stories, Celebrating the Healing Bond. And you're going to be inspired. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll have all of those experiences. Because one of the things that Bernie and I have shared is our love of animals. Uh, Like his home that is the Siegel Zoo, I have the Cynthia Zoo here in fact. A lot of people call it Cynthia's Web because we take in abandoned and abused animals. And I've had everything from horses and donkeys and chickens and ducks and goats and cats, dogs, turkeys, rabbits, uh, fish, all kinds of different birds, uh, pigs. You kind of name it. They've been here and they all have names and they all become part of the family. So we're going to start this segment off with a a new chapter from the book that is forthcoming, Be the Star You Are for Boomers and Millennials, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. And this is actually called The Gift of Animals, and it's written by Heather Brittany, who comes on our show, as you know, and she is also my wonderful daughter. So this is The Gift of Animals. The newborn fawn was entangled in a barbed wire fence, her mouth bleeding. Her mother lay dead nearby, shot by a poacher. 
My brother, my mom, and myself were on a hike when we rescued her. We took her back to the mountain cabin where we were camping to figure out how we could save her. For some reason, this adorable baby took a liking to me and started suckling on my earlobe. She was hungry and obviously thought I could be her mother. I was five years old and I was up for the job. Now, since we didn't have a baby bottle and were hours from a store, we did the next best thing. We warmed milk and poured it down my ear. Bambina survived. Now, that wasn't the first time I felt an urgent need to save an animal in distress. When I was three, we rescued a baby goat and bottle-fed her for two years. Minnie lived until 16 and became the grand dame of the barnyard. Over the years, cats, dogs, chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys, bunnies, lambs, horses, birds, potbelly pigs, and even a squirrel have found their way to my family's doorstep, where they were always welcomed with open arms and a loving heart. Often, it felt as if our own barnyard was akin to Noah's Ark. My first words as a baby were not mama or dada, as most American babies. My first words were titi, which was short for Nefertiti, our black cockapoo puppy. Now, this may have been a sign that animals would be family to me throughout my life. When I was in junior high, my mother and I hosted a TV segment called Animal Tales. We later changed it to Animal Cuts, where we showcased all kinds of fantastic creatures, including camels and tortoises, monkeys, elephants, parrots, pythons, and even African lions. When I learned that many of the areas of the world were economically depressed, leading to poor living conditions for animals, especially for family pets, I wanted to do something to help. Because of financial strains, some families don't have enough food to feed themselves, much less to feed their pets. Many pets are abandoned on streets and dumped in the countryside, left to fend on their own. When we traveled in my youth, I would bring money I had earned by doing odd jobs to use specifically to purchase food for the strays I encountered. I lovingly nicknamed my personal charity, since I was the only member and contributor, Pets in Poverty. My childhood devotion to animals was just a prelude of what would transpire when I went to college and rented my first apartment. Since I lived alone, I decided to get a big dog as a companion. I grew up with large dogs and figured this dog would also be a great protector. I began scrolling through shelter websites determined to find the perfect sentry. But in the end, it would be a three-pound chihuahua that I rescued from the side of the road who would just steal my heart. Fourteen years later, Dulce is still the love of my life and the best guard dog you can imagine. Animals are gifts to humans. They make us better people. They're non-judgmental, and they're grateful for the love we give them. It doesn't matter what animal you choose to invite into your household. Just know that you will be rewarded ten times over with the joy that this pet will bring. And the exercise is called Rescue Me. If you are thinking about getting a pet instead of looking for a pedigree, consider adopting an animal that has been abandoned or abused. Look online for the desired type of animal or breed, and you're going to be shocked to learn that there is a society or group or someone out there who is looking for you to adopt this special animal. The SPCA and animal shelters in your area probably have exactly what you seek. You can also look on Craigslist or on bulletin boards at pet stores or at feedlots. I would never have imagined that there would be a Potbelly Pig Association that placed unwanted pigs in loving families. 
Search and you shall find. Open your heart to the gift of a loving animal. Joyfulness awaits. And again, the quote that we did for our miracle moment, we can judge the heart of a man by his treatment of animals. And how true this is. If you have brought a pet into your life, you know how to work a relationship. I know when people have asked me, in my coaching business, how do I keep relationships alive or how? what is their advice? I always say, get a plant or get a pet. <laughs> Start there because it's so important that you're able to really give of your time and give of your love. And that can make all the difference in the world. Now, in my book, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference, with a foreword by Dr. Bernie Siegel, I have several chapters that relate to animals and I this I call this book my heart and soul because it so much was in it but I thought I would read the gift of interdependence because this really started it all on our animal rescue mission that my children and I did together when my kids were younger we loved to hike in the surrounding hillsides in the spring the meadows were ablaze with poppies and the grass was the greenest green imaginable we would picnic And we'd go on scavenger hunts for treasures like feathers and acorns and rocks and other gifts of nature. And one evening in early May, our hike yielded a living gem. We had just visited our favorite olive grove and were climbing a hill on our way home. Shh, what's that sound, whispered my son. Heather's eyes widened and we strained to listen but couldn't hear anything. Quiet, listen, there it is again. He started tiptoeing carefully through the grass. Then we heard it too. It was a whimper, a cry like that of a small baby. We moved quietly towards the sound and there in the brush was a small bloodied newborn baby goat. Where's the mother? I said to nobody in particular. Don't touch the baby, my son said, or the mother will never take her back. I'll run and get some towels. So we stayed with the crying baby, wanting to comfort her, but knowing he was right. And he returned quickly with clean towels and we wrapped the kid carefully. We have to get her to Kenny. She needs her mother's milk. The city had recently commissioned a goat herder named Kenny to graze his goats on open land as a fire prevention measure. The goats kept the dry, gla- the dry grasses and the weeds trimmed, which was invaluable during dangerous fire season. And our son knew that Kenny had been working with him after school, moving fences to redirect the goats. So we carried the newborn to Kenny's trailer. Oh, I know exactly who the mother is, Kenny told us. Unfortunately, she has no desire to have this baby. Well, what is going to happen to her, asked Heather. Well, if the kid doesn't get some colostrum and mother's milk immediately, she'll die. I'll try to get one of the other mothers to take her, but if they don't, I have to put her down. And with one voice altogether, we cried, no, 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 don't kill her. We couldn't imagine this precious baby being killed just because her mother wouldn't care for her. So we asked if we could come by in the morning to check on her. Then if none of the other mothers had accepted her and she was still alive, we would take her ourselves. Well, she won't live until morning, Kenny told us, but if she does and she hasn't been adopted, you can take her. We couldn't sleep that night. We watched the clock. We were eager for morning. At seven, we literally ran down the road to Kenny's trailer. How's the baby, we panted. Well, I was able to get some colostrum for her from another mom, but nothing more. But she's a fighter. She definitely wants to live. So if you're willing to take her on, you can have her. We thanked Kenny, got care instructions, and took our new baby home. 
Heather named her Minnie as a miniature goat and Minnie Mouse. She was truly a Minnie, fitting easily into the palm of our two hands. We bought goat's milk from a feed store and fed her a bottle every three hours around the clock. She followed us everywhere and slept in a comfortable nest the kids built for her in the laundry room. She was so adorable and loving that we took her with us on excursions. And sometimes she went to school with the kids or to softball games. Our co-ed adult softball league actually made her the mascot. She even had her little cheerleading outfit. Minnie grew larger, and we built her a doghouse to live in. She grew even larger, and we built her a goat house. She grew even more, and we built her a barn. And what we thought was a mini goat turned out to be a maxi. We adored her and gave her a huge fenced-in barnyard to protect her from coyotes and mountain lions. Goats have an average lifespan of seven, but Minnie is still with us and thriving after 13 years. She was the first animal in what would become known as our rescued menagerie. And since her adoption, we've supplied her with lots of animal friends who were also rescued from death and destruction. We often joke that we must have a welcome banner at our home that only animals can sense because every stray and abandoned creature seems to find its way to our door and into our hearts. We posted a wooden sign on the barnyard gate that reads, Minnie and Friends, and she's definitely the grand dom, a real old goat and queen of the barnyard. There's a difference between interdependence and dependence, and interdependence means having the courage to stand on your own two feet while allowing others to help you and nature to shape you. So we're all interconnected, and whether we like it or not, we're part of a larger whole, an inescapable one. Nobody can be an island, but we can all be part of a universal universal community. So see yourself in everything, because everything is already within you. And take care of your world. Life is precious. When we come back from break, my dear, dear friend, Papa Bernie will be with us, and we will be talking all about animals and love and healing and miracles. So stay with me. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice American Network, and we'll be back in a bit. So grab that cup of tea and pull up a chair. Be the star you are. The star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling. Well, the party is just now going to start because we have such a very special Valentine treat for you today with one of the greatest Cupids on the planet, I think. He truly needs no introduction as anyone who has been looking for love, laughter, animals, or miracles in their lives has read one of his numerous best-selling books. And, of course, their lives are much better for it. And we are going to hear some true tales of love and healing from his book, Love, Animals, and Miracles, Inspiring True Stories, Celebrating the Healing Bond, from the man I call Papa, my big daddy, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Welcome back, Bernie, to Star Style. Be the star you are. God bless. And God let bless me add this you. so people even understand where the daddy comes from. I had a suicidal teenager in my office who I'd been seeing, trying to let her know I loved her and cared about her. So she kept, you know, living and not ended her life due to all kinds of abuse. And one day she said to me, you're my CD. I said, what are you talking about? I'm a CD. She said, you're my chosen dad. And, and boy, that touched my heart and has stayed with me ever since. Cause, and literally, there are a lot of people alive today because I said to them, I'll be your chosen, chosen. dad. Right. I always say, it, it doesn't mean I like what they're doing, if you know mm-hmm. what, what I'm saying, but I love them. And that's when I began to see them change what they were doing because they knew that Somebody loved them. You know, it makes a huge difference because I will not ever forget the time you told me that you were my CD and you called me your California chosen daughter. And right. it was it was right after my father had died and you had actually been on the phone with him in his final moments, leading him in a beautiful meditation. And it just meant so much to me because I felt I'm not alone. I have a CD right here on this earth. You were a miracle. Well, I got to interrupt you and tell you some stories. Yes, please. We're going to talk about animals, and let me start with that. And then the fact that there are no coincidences. I mean, it's it's just amazing. In, In my book, The Love, Animals, and Miracles, at the end, there's an epilogue. It says, a sick man turned to me as he was preparing to leave the examination room, and he said, doctor, I'm afraid to die. Tell me what lies on the other side. I said quietly, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're a spiritual man. You don't know what's on the other side. I was holding the door handle, and just then we heard scratching, whining noise behind the door. As I opened it, Furfy, that's the dog's name. My wife named him Furfy because he had so much fur. (laughs) Furfy sprang into the room and leaped on me with an eager show of gladness. Turning to the patient, I said, did you notice my dog? He's never been in this room before. He didn't know what was inside, except that his master was here. And when the door opened, he sprang in without fear. I know little of what is on the other side of death, but I do know one thing. I know my master is there, and that is enough. And Furphy died in his sleep shortly after that. But what was interesting, he used to sleep in the bedroom. And I got up in the morning, and he wasn't there. I went to the kitchen, and he was lying on a mat in the kitchen and had died there. And again, I knew he was thinking of me. 
You know that. What if he wakes up in the middle of the night and sees I'm dead? Right. It's ruin his night. I mean, right. it's incredible. I know he was thinking about it, and and went out of the room into the kitchen to I mean, do it. You know, Furphy, it was was really a special dog for you too because you used to bring Furphy uh, yeah. to a lot of your presentations, and Furphy was the one that would fall asleep under underneath the chair and sometimes yeah. uh, snore loudly, right? Where Buddy would go around right. and heal everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, Furphy was interested in himself, you know. Yes. He wasn't going to be nice to anybody. You have a meeting. <laughs> but let me tell you, I used to let them know that the therapy session was starting by giving each dog a treat. And then Furphy would go take his nap. Well, I was speaking at my alma mater, Colgate University, a few hundred people in front of me. And I get up on the stage. Oh, and they allowed me to bring Furphy into the uh, hotel there and everything. So he came with me before I had Buddy as the dog. Um, And anyway, I get on the stage. And when I'm about to start, Furphy runs up on the stage and starts jumping on my leg and barking. I couldn't. Go on with the lecture. And I said to people, I don't know what's going on. I'm really sorry. And then I realized, dumbbell, he thinks this is a group meeting. To him, it doesn't (laughs) matter if it's 10 people or 200. And you didn't give him a treat. So somebody left the building, gave him a treat. And then what did he do? He walked quietly off the stage and took a nap. And wasn't a problem. And everybody laughed because it was so crazy. But two more stories. What we learned from the animals, about to operate on a veterinarian, and um, the night before surgery, and this was for a mastectomy, she said, you know, I I can't sleep. It's impossible. All I can think about is what my body is going to be like and what I'll be going through. And, And she just said she was lying awake all night. And then around two in the morning, she said, I suddenly thought of something. I operate on all these animals. I amputate a jaw, a leg, all kinds of parts. And what do they do when they wake up after surgery? They lick their owner's faces and let us know we're here to love and be loved. And she said, as soon as I learned that from them, I immediately fell asleep and had no trouble facing my surgery. And last but not least, when I say there are no coincidences, I mean, my wife, got to share this with the audience, died a few weeks ago, quietly at home and asleep. You know, I, I didn't even know way. she died. I mean, I thought she was sleeping. And when I went to wake her up, uh, I've, you know, discovered. And then, yeah, I had tears. But again, she wasn't very different than Furphy, if you know what I mean. She didn't <laughs> disturb me in the middle of the night. You know, it, it was just finding her in the morning. But um, the reason I say that, the no coincidences, because something went crazy with the TV in the bedroom. And I couldn't get it to go on. There was all kinds of crazy messages. So I went, I thought, maybe you got all the wrong channels. You know, you forgot. And I went to the kitchen where I have the full page of all the channels of the TV company. And I reached in to the pile of papers and pulled out what I thought was the list. Instead, it was a Valentine's card from my wife. There's no date on it. I mean, I don't know how it got there. 
I ha- don't know. It either had to be there many years because my wife hasn't driven or gone shopping, you know, in years. And it was so mystical. I, I just, uh, you know, what a gift. What a what? gift. Yeah. Well, you know, we always say there are no coincidences. There's only divine synchronicity. Right. And, and now, let me read you my last coincidence. Yes. Because I have a book called 365 Prescriptions for the Soul. So each day I read one more lesson because it's like somebody else wrote them, if you know what I mean. It, it, it has more wisdom than I know how, where it came from in the book. But this is this was tomorrow's. I thought, let me look and see. And what is it called? Again, we're talking about animals. Cages. You are today, this is a quote from James Allen, where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. Animals only live in cages when they are forced to. Watch caged animals. Their eyes lose any sign of light and life while their bodies waste away. They are prisoners. I believe as people, we create our own cages. Then once inside, we become the prisoners and think we are powerless to escape. In truth, we manufactured the cage and are the only ones who can break free. It may be a prison we created in our mind in perceived circumstances or repressed emotions. To release ourselves, we must break in and unlock the confines of our mind and heart. If we are willing to feel our pain and look into our life, the bars will fall away and we will be free. Escape from the cage you have built around yourself. Look inward for the answer and make the necessary changes in your life to find your freedom. And again, to me, that topic, considering what we're going to talk about, was no coincidence. You know, it's I'm 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 kind of breathless right now because I made some notes of what I wanted to talk about. My very first one was something you wrote in your new book, Love Animals and Miracles, and it was we imprison ourselves by the lives we lead. We create our own pens. Only when we harmonize with nature are we not penned in. So that's pretty bizarre that that's what you chose to talk about and I chose to talk about. And well. It's yeah, very I, true. I really always say to people, if you have a problem, go out into nature and look for an answer. Mm-hmm. Because one day this didn't have to do with, well, it had to do with animals because we broke every zoning law <laughs> in our town um, because we have an acre and a half. You know, people used to say, oh, you're living on a farm. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I say, no, it's an acre and a half. I put fences up all around our house, so ducks and geese and goats and turtles and, you know, all kinds of exotic pets that the veterinarians gave us to take care of because we have five children. So that was like the, the farm hands, if you know what I mean. Right. And, yeah, I grew up with the same amount. There were yeah. seven of us. So. And when I was out one day with something really bothering me, you know, what am I going to do? I noticed that the tree had grown around the nails I put in it to hold the fences up. And I thought, wow, thank you. There's my therapy. All I need to do is grow around it, take it in, you know, stop being irritated, like they're jabbing you in the side, you know, with a nail. Uh, Just take it in, grow around it. And wow. And so I say that to people or even a stream. You don't, you know, a stream hits a rock. It doesn't say, oh, God damn it, who put that there? 
Right, or the ocean waves, you know, yeah, they don't get they, mad right. because they're hitting they, the shore. They, you know? they are therapeutic. It's the gurgling, the waves, and you calm down. And I'd say to people, just pay attention to nature and all the creatures, and uh, you'll learn from them. Because we're all one. Bottom line, we are speaking with Bernie Siegel. He likes to be called Bernie. His website is BernieSiegelMD.com. But the book that we're talking about today, and he's the author of many, many books, is Love, Animals, and Miracles. And when you uh, look at any of uh, Bernie's books, he wrote Love, Medicine, and Miracles, Peace, Love, and Healing, How to Live Between Office Visits, Prescriptions for Living, and it goes on and on, and what he was just talking about, the 365 prescriptions for the soul. Everything revolves around love, animals, family, and letting go. Bernie, you were just so, and synchronicity. Things happen, we don't know why they happen, but they happen, and we all have to learn how to deal with the difficulties in our lives. Not just the physical ones, but the emotional ones. And it's our animal friends that seem to be able to do it. You were talking in your new book, you have a lot of stories um, of all the different animals, but some of the ones that are my favorite are your adult children writing what it was like to grow up in the Seagull Zoo. Yeah. Yeah. And let me say this too, because some of it, the children encountered with me, and that was anger. Because what I was angry about was that I couldn't cure every patient, couldn't fix everything. Um, What I had to do to some people because of their illnesses. And I didn't realize it, but I was expressing that anger at the family. And one of the kids even asked me if I was getting a divorce one day. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you yell a lot. And he said, the neighbors yelled and they're getting divorced. I said, I love everybody. I just don't like what's going on here. But in the hospital one day, and it was around the holiday, Christmas time, I was discharging this patient. He said, I'm giving everybody a bottle of liquor who took care of me except you. I said, I'm not a big drinker, so I can handle it. But why not? And he said, you're always angry. I said, I'm Sorry. He said, yeah, but you took it out on me because I said, I didn't like what happened to you. I didn't like what I had to do to you. He said, but you took it out on me. And I said, I'm really sorry. And then he said, all right, I'll give you a bottle of liquor. But what impressed me was that he took the time to tell me. He didn't go home and say I had the worst surgeon. He talked to me because he knew I was in pain. And the nurses, my patients, always did that. My wife had her own way, because people would say to me, you know, when my wife is sick, hey, I'm mad, I can't cure her, I can't. And people would say, you know, you're angry at your wife. I mean, she never had a problem, because she lived with me for over 60 years. See, she would say things, and I recommend this to all the women. Honey, what is it, dear? You're so handsome when you're angry. And then (laughs) I would have a smile. (laughs) <laughs> or she would use the pets. She'd say, look at you. They're all standing and staring at you because you're yelling and angry. You're upsetting the pets. So I would, you know, have to stop and quiet down. But she, she had a good it. way. She knew oh, exactly. She had a wonderful sense of humor. I mean, one of her lines from, uh, you know, 10 um, lessons for people 
to know if they're having a good life. I mean, the first one was if your husband calls and says he wants to have dinner out tonight, you leave a fr- sandwich on the front porch. <laughs> you know, I mean, she is a, just a gift, a wonderful <laughs> lady. I mean, and, you know, people have an open mind. She and I were in a past life, too. We solved a lot of family problems by marrying each other in this life. And so I just know, you know, we'll be together again. And uh, do you have time for one more mystical thing? Oh, we because, want, we have time for, for right. lots of them. And those are my favorite. So please uh, share on. Ago, I had a patient who came in one day and said, I know you're not a normal doctor. So I'm a mystic. And we were having a meeting. I said, we have a message for Bernie. And she brought me this message from a man named Frank who had just died. I knew who she was talking about. When I called Frank's wife, she screamed. I said, I didn't want to upset you. She said, you're not upsetting me. Because the term was, if I'd known it was this easy, I'd have bought the package a long time ago and not have resisted so much. That was the message. <laughs> when I said it to his wife, she screamed and said, oh, my God, that's what he said every time he left your meeting. I can't buy the package. Well, Aww. that opened my mind. And I refer people to my friend and former patient if they want to talk to their loved one. But to me, the test was, I mean, I've had calls from her when my parents died and she doesn't know them, where they live or anything. And she'd say, you folks are together again. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is showing them around. And this is over the phone, okay? So after my wife died, I thought, all right, if this is all real, I should get a call from Monica. Yes. My wife died on Friday and Sunday morning, the phone rings. Bernie, I got a, a message from a lovely lady with a beautiful voice who was an opera singer. And she said, your wife is fine. Everything's all right. We're all together again. Well, guess what Bobby's mother was? She was a well-known opera singer. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, Oh, I have chills. I have chills. When I heard that, it was like, wow. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I'm laughing. I I believe all of this. I think this is so, it's important. And I'm glad that you talk about it because, um, uh, my my mother died not too long ago, and we were all very close and very you know it was very it was very sudden and upsetting, and it wasn't we didn't think it was her time. But anyway, I'm the executor of the ranches and the estate, and so one of her things was I don't want any of you kids to argue. You all have to get along. So I'm my niece is talking to me, and she was really upset about something, and she was kind of going on and on. And all of a sudden, my phone rings, my cell phone, and it says, call home, mom, call home. And I try to pick it up. Of course, nobody's there, right? And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what is going on? Yeah. So I go back to my niece, and I said, uh, you won't believe it, but I just had a phone call, and it said the what came across the screen was, Mom, call home. And my niece says, oh, no, Aunt Cynthia, she told us not to argue. (laughs) And so she's yelling at us from the beyond. (laughs) I said to my daughter, I got to prove that this happened. How do I do it? She said, take a screenshot. I still have that screenshot. And, of Mm -hmm. course, there was it it happened, but there was no phone call. It's pretty interesting. No, it's consciousness never dies. I mean, I had a near-death experience choking on a toy as a four-year-old. And most kids, when they have that happen, feel like I do. You you prefer to die, even though you know it's going to upset your parents. And I was very angry. This may sound crazy. When I didn't die, I yelled out my first words out of my mouth. 
when I didn't die was who did that? You know, it was like there must be a God. I chose to be dead and somebody else interfered. Um, and I didn't. But it's, again, the consciousness. And because we're talking about animals, picture this. I was out in California at ASPCA Nunkill Conference as a speaker. I get in the elevator. There's a lovely young lady there. And I say, hi, why are you at the meeting? Oh, I'm an animal intuitive. My brain immediately went into, no, you're not an animal intuitive. You're nuts. You talk to <laughs> animals? What kind of, you know, I couldn't believe her that you talk to animals. Right, well, right. I test people, though, because I always say I live by my experience, not what I believe. So several months later, one of our cats disappeared. Somebody left the house door open and the cat wasn't there and called it nothing. So I emailed Amelia and she's written several books and is on my website. And I said, OK, where's the cat? And without any information, except I'm in Connecticut, she's in California, I get an email from her. And she described the backyard, all the other pets, everything. And she said, I can see through the animal's eyes, so it's alive, and it's under the house. Now that just made no sense, under a house? So the next morning I went out and started calling the cat's name. And I heard a cry from under a stairway off the side of the house. And the stairway came so close down to the ground, I knew she had put herself in there to protect herself from the wild animals in the woods where we live. And so I called and got her out. And then the next time, I mean, after that, I was a believer. I mean, I told that story in one of the forewords for her book, because you can't deny what that woman did. I mean, describing, yeah. you know, like telling you where your garbage cans are and what the other pets look like. Uh, one of our cats in the house named Princess disappeared. And I, I was damn sure she was in the basement because I had left the door open. But she wouldn't come out no matter how many times I called her name. Amelia was in Africa. And I said, can you tell me where Princess is? And she said, it looks like the garage, all these boxes and things. I said, no, that's a junk from our five kids. You're telling me it's the basement. So I went out of the house so that Princess would know I'm not there. And then my wife could hear her cry and let her out of the basement. And But can you imagine somebody sitting in Africa and describing your house in Connecticut? You know, yes, because I do think that I think that you can uh, being an intuitive it doesn't matter if it's for animals or humans uh, she's tapping in to a soul level she's tapping the yeah. source and tapping the way the source. this is the biggest lesson i'd say for everybody listening to this program the ugly duckling saw he was a swan on a pond a tiger joseph campbell wrote about this who the mother dies giving birth and the goats she was chasing, raised the baby. That's what's wonderful about animals. Yes. They didn't stamp yes. on it and kill it because she was chasing them. They raise it and love it. But he, as, as Campbell said, he grew up thinking he's a goat until another tiger comes and says, hey, stupid, you're not a goat. Come with me. You know, and Campbell had a sense of humor because the other tiger says, here's a piece of meat. No, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> but well, where does it take him? Bernie, Wait, you let me finish. He yeah, takes so him to a still pond. And that's the thing that really struck me. 
Because Amelia would tell me the same thing. Bernie, stop screaming your pet's name. Quiet your mind. The still pond, the quiet mind, then you see the truth. There you go. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that you always say that the greatest thing that you've learned from animals, and I feel I've done the same, is forgiveness. Yeah. So, because they don't judge. They don't care what you look like, smell like, you know, what kind of day uh, or who you fought with. They just love you unconditionally. And that is what is healing. And that is what is such a miracle. Do you want to um, tell any of the stories about that? There's a, a couple of funny ones from your book that I wanted you to share about the nurse um, who named her dog Bernie. I thought that was pretty funny when uh, somebody was knocking on the door. Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that really happened. I mean, this is, matter of fact, Valentine's Day, this same nurse said, you're the nicest man I know. And I thanked her. But she named her dog Bernie. And her friends knew me because she lived in Michigan, but I would go out there to speak and, you know, do workshops with her. She was a nurse. And they could hear her yelling, Bernie, Bernie, get off, get off, stop that, stop that, get down, stop. And her friends are like, oh my God, what are they doing in there? You know? <laughs> and they had they a, heart, they had a dog and named it Bernie, yeah. But I mean, those are the wonderful things, you know, that keep, keep happening. But I think the animals, the other is, I was thinking of, again, the the shootings down, I think, in Florida today. And if you grow up with animals, you have a reverence for life. Relationships keep you alive. Literally, a study in Australia, if you went home to a house with a dog after a heart attack, a year later, if there was a dog in the house, 6% of the people died. If there was no dog, 24% had died. And it's relationships. We're changed. Our chemistry, literally, in our body is changed by petting a furry creature. Oxytocin, serotonin levels, the bonding hormones go up. And so it makes such a difference to have relationships and have a reverence for life. I mean, our children, as I said, our house was incredible. You wouldn't believe all the things running loose in our house, even mice, because mice, gerbils, hamsters, and people would say, look what's in your living room. I said, yeah, that's a pet. And everybody had a name, too. Um, and this one, um, there was, uh, oh, what was the name of that creature? Um, oh, I forgot. It's it's South American. Oh, it's uh, the one your son had, right? Is that yeah. the name? Yeah. It's, yeah, that one's a, it's a difficult name. I'll, I will uh, see if, if I can think find of it. it. Yeah, it may pop back into my head, but the... Yeah. Um, because there are times I would call the police to tell them if some strange creature appeared in the neighborhood, you know, it was one of our pets. And, um, but everybody knew we were doing it out of love. And so we had kiddie pools filled with turtles and fish and, and dead trees in the kids' bedrooms. So, because uh, you had to have the snakes and you had to, ha- you right? You yeah. Had, and then you had the crickets. Your son yeah. had the oh yeah, it always yeah, but that was nice because it was like springtime all winter long. Yeah, you the and the frogs. Stuff. You'd have the frogs uh, and the crickets, so you'd have yeah. spring and summer sounds. We had one daughter, have one daughter, and the snake always went to her room if it escaped. It was Monty Python. That was the snake's name. Right. And, um, and she would let out a scream, 
and then we'd all know where the snake was because it seemed to like to drive her crazy. But um, one day the snake disappeared and the boys had put a fake snake at Carolyn's door. So she knew a lot of times she'd open it and it was fake and she'd pick it up and, you know, discard it. But she opened the door to her bedroom and thought, oh, another fake snake. And she picked it up and it wasn't fake. It was real. <laughs> so they heard her screaming. They said, oh, Carolyn found the snake. Um, but it was so funny. It's like the snake knew that she was the one. She was the one that it could get to. What but, about Smudge Bunny? You, you know, Smudge uh, Bunny and Furfy actually. Let me tell you what they teach you. Because two things. One, Smudge, we rescued it. It escaped from somebody's, a neighbor's house somewhere. And we saw it in the woods and put out a heavyheart trap. And it went in and we got it the next morning. And, um, but... I learned two things from it. One that was cute because I used to go out, we have a fenced in yard. So I would go out to bring Smudge in and she'd run all over the yard and drive me crazy. So one night I talked to her, I quieted my mind and I said, why do you act like this? And she said, you don't treat the cats this way. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, you let the cats stay out later. I said, yeah, because they can take care of themselves. They can climb trees, run, jump. You can't. So I wanted to bring you in so you're safe. And from that night on, I never had trouble bringing her in. It's really amazing. But then when I thought that all the pets knew each other, uh, about a week and a half after I had brought uh, the rabbit into the house, I went out of the house and I thought, you know, you didn't close the pet door. But I thought it's 10 days they know each other. But when I came home, I was wrong. Furphy had grabbed her. And she had all these bites on her body. And, oh, God, I felt so horrible. You know, what a dumb thing I had done, and she's suffering. But about a week and a half later, uh, yes, I took her to the vet. You know, we're taking care of her wounds. Uh, as a surgeon, I would, <laughs> again, how gentle she was. I would work on her on the counter in the kitchen. And I knew when I was hurting her because she would turn her head and give me a gentle bite on my finger. Mm never hurt me just that gentle pinch saying hey give me a break yeah hey i went out to bring her in and i couldn't find her i'm yelling i'm looking and i saw furphy lying in the yard so i went over to pet him and then i saw smudge she was lying underneath him hidden in his fur Mm. so see her and bring her in but think about forgiveness here's someone who threatened her life and she is now best friends with him. It, it, it just touched my heart how the animals can give well, up I, things that we can't. Yeah, I always have felt that we can learn so much from the animal kingdom. And it actually makes me mad when somebody sees, you know, uh, people fighting or being terrible. And they'll say, oh, they're acting like animals. And my comment is always, animals don't act like that. They're acting like humans. We're speaking with Bernie Siegel. His website is BernieSiegelMD.com. He is the author of many, many books. And this new book is Love Animals. And Miracles. It's been out for a bit, but it's a classic with so many different lessons of bonding and love uh, for Valentine's Day, obviously. And, of course, forgiveness. So now, Bernie, I, the other thing Can is... Can I just, mention... Yes. I, I don't... 
you know, I never stopped talking. Forgive me. That's but okay. I don't either. Forgiveness. Can I give you one more example of that? that yes, that was the next thing. We want more. <laughs> There's a poem. I'm reading a book with lots of poems, some about animals. And one is a poem called Rags by Edmund Vance Cook, C-O-O-K-E. You can look it up on the internet. But it touched my heart very much because of the ending of it. It's about a dog named Rags. And that's my current dog is named Rags after this poem. But anyway, this soldier, the war's over. He wants to bring home the dog that saved several soldiers' lives. But he can't find it. And the dog's name is Rags. So he gives up searching and goes home. And as the poem ends, it says he went back to medical school. He walks into the lab, and who's cut open on the table? Rags, the dog that saved lives. And he walks over to Rags, and Rags licks his hand and dies. And the poem ends with, if there's no place in heaven for a creature like that, then I'll take my place in hell. Hmm. But think about forgiveness, you know? And I- when they- at medical school, believe me, I was crying at the end of that poem. When you think about that, um, yes. you know, what we do to animals, yeah. When I read that poem as well, I, I cried too. I just couldn't even imagine that uh, they were working on an animal still still alive without anesthesia or anything. You know, yes. it was just so, it was inhumane, inhumane. And the fact that Rags was able to recognize this man and then forgive forgive everybody basically you know yeah, all, was, the, all the dogs and cats that I adopt are because I get a message I hear a voice and it says go to the animal shelter well and that's what happened with buddy right isn't that how you got buddy well I wrote a book called buddy's candle to help yeah buddy's candle with death. And, and when I walked out of the house with Furphy to go for a walk, a voice said to me, go to the animal shelter. So I jump in the car and I drive down there with Furphy. And I walk in the door and there's a dog sitting by the door, which is very unusual, you know, to have him loose like that. And I said, what's his name? They said, his name is Buddy. He's been here less than 15 minutes. I said, I'm here to take him home. And I did. Oh, but let me tell you on the way home, I don't know if you know, read this. He jumped out of the car when I stopped for gas, and we had a hell of a time catching him and bringing him back into my car because I'm yelling in the street. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. <laughs> help. Um, yeah. And then we got home. I quieted my mind, as Amelia said I should do, and I said to him, why did you act like that? He said, I belonged to a couple. The woman was very nice, but the husband was an alcoholic, and when she would say, take the dog for a walk, he put me in the car, drove to the bar, get drunk, and then he'd abuse me. I don't want to be in cars. I said, I'd never treat you like that. Two weeks later, I accidentally left the car open by the side door. You know, it's automatic, and I must have pushed the button when I put it, the keys in my pocket, and the door was wide open, and Buddy was sitting in an open car. Furphy wasn't there, though, so I began to panic, and then I hear, again, Amelia's voice, calm down get into the dog's head. And I knew, I'm laughing because I immediately knew Furphy was in stop and shop looking for me. 
And um, oh, it was so funny. I went in, the security guard said, you looking for a dog? I said, yeah. He said, I got him over here with treats and air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing how you know. You know. Uh, yeah. And animals, no. Anna, I think that when you love an animal and you open your heart, the animals open theirs and they know immediately who are their friends and who aren't their friends. And as you were saying about the fact that it just raises your your um, your brain love quotient, you know, and brings yes. all these good vibrations to you. This is what happens, you know, whether it's loving a human or loving an animal. So right. the book is Love, Animals, and Miracles, Inspiring True Stories, Celebrating the Healing Bond. And, of course, there are many, many other books by Dr. Bernie Siegel that are definitely recommended, uh, I would say, mandatory reading because uh, you have so many just human things to say that are just so much fun. Well, I've learned so much, you know, from life. Um, it, it's, it's been quite an experience, but it's, it's a real lesson. Let me give you a test question okay. uh, for everybody. Because Schweitzer called it a reverence for life. And, and I have been picking up worms after it rains when I walk the dog and putting them back on the soil. Uh, I just can't help it. I mean, it takes a lot of time, drives me crazy, and I figure I'm neurotic, but I'm not going to go to a therapist for that. I just need to do it. And then I read that Schweitzer said, if you go out after the rain, you see a worm, pick it up and put it on the soil. And he said, and if you see an insect, put a leaf in the water so it can climb up on it. And that, that was therapy for me, that I'm not crazy, I care about life. And I'd say to all the people, when I say a test question, what do you do when you go for a walk and you see a worm in front of you? And the right answer is I pick it up and I put it back on the earth. Soil. Well, yeah. the same thing when you see a spider in the house or yeah. a bug or oh, whatever. God. Just Our let them go back. carrying the bugs out and yelling at me if I wanted to swat something. Um, because, you know, they cared so much for everything. But I'll tell you, it was painful for me again, you know, some of that anger. Because I'd come home. I mean, I'd done cesarean sections on guinea pigs when they were having trouble delivering, you know. But the kids thought, well, you're a doctor. You should be able to cure everything. Fix everything. Yeah, and, and it gets painful. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Bernie, I am so grateful that you took this whole time to be here with us here on Star Style. Be the star you are. You are you know, you are a big daddy to so many, and I think your life experiences are just a great example of how we all have miracles within us. We all are healers. We all have the ability and the responsibility to be the kinds of people who serve. And the more that we love others and love animals, I think, you know, the, the better our own lives will be. So. Right. Again, the website, BernieSiegelMD.com, or just Google. Just go on uh, go on the Internet, and you will find Bernie everywhere. So thank you, Big Daddy, Papa. All right. CD. You have to invite me back. We'll talk I more. appreciate it so much. Right. <laughs> and I really love the little note you sent me. Thank you for that as well. It oh, is yes. very synchronistic, isn't it, when the things happen? Absolutely. It's amazing. That's amazing. And thank all of you out there for being great listeners. We wish you a beautiful, loving, happy Valentine's Day. Know that you are not alone ever, that there is always life 
and light around you. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. And read a book this week, and I do hope that you will pick up Bernie's animal book because you will definitely be inspired. Until we get together next week, same time, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Live. Remember, love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.